Hello and welcome to the Transatlantic Soccer Podcast episode number nine. We're back again despite coronavirus concerns. We are back. Alejandro, how was the last two weeks for you, especially Blarney weekend just gone? Um, it's been a lot of studying, uh, but it's been nice getting out on the weekend and being able to have a good, safe time at UMass and could, yeah. hang out with buddies outside and soak up the sun. Exactly. That's yeah. the prime prime concern for us, you know, work hard, play hard. Yeah, but hopefully no coronavirus. No coronavirus, yeah. Just drink the coronas and no virus calls. No, no um, only water. So, yeah, so great weekend of action just uh, past us for the Premier League, especially, you know, the Manchester derby. Uh, Arsenal getting the dub against West Ham, Chelsea against Everton, uh, winning against Everton 4 0, and then Burnley drawing against Spurs 1 uh, 1, which we'll cover and talk about uh, later on. And then also just moving on to the coronavirus in this you know, serious context, we've uh, now discovered the Serie A uh, today or yesterday was suspended uh, all league action. Uh, well, Italy as a, as a whole have suspended the whole soccer action and any sporting action. Uh, the Champions League games are being played behind closed doors as well as the Liga. And we're expecting to see the Premier League and other leagues as well uh, follow follow suit with that. Um, we'll, mod, uh, we'll move on to uh, podcast picks as well from the previous episode. Um, our, the first uh, fixture was the Tottenham versus Wolves. Um, I went with 2-2. Ali, you got one point with your 2-1 a prediction Everton Man United I got that one correct 1-1 one, one, uh, draw um, Bournemouth Chelsea 1-0 uh, I guess and then Alejandro you got 1-1 one, one, you got a point there so it's 7-5 to me as we move on uh, to the next one pretty close yeah. pretty close so pretty you know close. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to, have to have a little kind of what prize at the end for me you get me a drink at graduation or something so probably you give me like $100 if I win is that is that right yeah I ain't got that still um, <laughs> anyway so um, let's so today we've got thought we we're going to mix it up a bit. We've you know we constantly go through the games and the teams and the players who to look out for whatnot. Uh, kind of the most of our episodes, but we want to this week go into a debate and a discussion over numerous topics and you know kind of see where our both our heads are at if we agree if we disagree. Um, so yeah, let's move on. And I think this is probably one of the first ones that we talk about. We're not going to do Messi versus Ronaldo, but we are going to do about how. Messi and Ronaldo are now at 30, like kind of early 30s, moving on to the mid 30s. But when their reign is over, who do you think is next? Alejandro, I'll let you start with this one. Um, well, I mean, I feel like the most obvious candidate is Mbappe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that was that would be your mm-hmm. uh, top choice too. Yeah. Um, I, I was it was weird because I was always one to say, uh, especially I thought that Neymar was going to be. I think I thought he was going to stay on Barcelona for a long time. Mm-hmm. I thought Messi was going to retire and Neymar was just going to take over him and, and kind of be be the guy. Um, and that never happened, obviously. So um, I would I would. There, I mean, there's a lot of young guys coming up. Um, there's so much talent in in every league, and it really just depends on how much I feel like they develop and mm-hmm. and as long as they can stay consistent. And the big one nowadays, I feel like, is as long as they can stay healthy. Because you look at players like Paul Pogba, who are mm-hmm. obviously talented enough to be yeah. in like the category like that like if Paul Pogba could play you know season after season consistently mm-hmm. I'm sure he'd be you know right up there in that in that picture too but just because of how many injuries and the same as yeah. you know, Neymar at this point too he keeps getting injured picking up injuries that keep yeah. him out for extended periods of time so I don't know 
What are your, yeah, your thoughts? I mean, yeah, I was going to talk about Neymar as well, but do you think he's kind of done himself a disservice by moving to PSG, which is obviously kind of, we see it as a worse league than La Liga or the Premier League? Has he done himself a disservice by moving there? I think, I think so. I understand in his head what he was going for, mm. um, and, and it was kind of, I mean, lucky in the sense that they got one of the best players in the world to play alongside him, but unlucky in the same sense that he was trying to be the top guy there. And then this younger kid who yeah. came in and was just, you know, honestly was staying fit. I mean, that was a big one was staying fit and he was in every game and he was scoring every game and, you know, he was, he was in the team and everyone loved him. And yeah, I mean, a, a big help was that he was French, you know, mm-hmm. he played for the French national team and, you know, the, the, the PSG fans could root on uh, a player who was French. Yeah. Um, so I think he did. And, and, you know, I don't really understand why, he didn't stay at, at Barcelona and yeah. try to really create something there, you know, create like a lasting uh, type of, of system there. Because yeah. um, I, I think that that team was one of the best teams we've seen, yeah. you know, in a while with with Messi, Suarez, and, and yeah. Neymar at the top. So um, I think that he did. Yeah, I wasn't really happy that he made that decision. Yeah, um, yeah I think, yeah, touching on what you just said about Barcelona, Neymar, he kind of just obviously saw probably not Suarez but Messi definitely as just him being uh, Neymar himself being in Messi's shadow and then yeah he moves into PSG where probably not in Mbappe's uh, Mbappe's shadow as much but he's definitely kind of not the best not the top dog he's not like looking over everyone like oh I'm he's not head and shoulders the best player I don't think so by by any stretch of the imagination and he's definitely had like a great season so far this year he's had like I mean I'm going to question his kind of um, commitment because like he always seems to that alignment of him getting um, either suspended or injured before like his sister's birthday and then before like Rio Carnival mm-hmm. like, comes up there's always different questions being asked about his commitment and I think Mbappe by by being so young himself he's only 21 whereas Neymar is 27 now he's got six years on Neymar but he's already kind of get his head down he plays uh, week in week out mostly scores the goals and he's you know that's why he's linked to Real Madrid but that's my next point for Mbappe is well a question to you is will Mbappe be able to win the Ballon d'Or staying at PSG or will he have to make that step up to Barcelona or Real Madrid probably um, or you know another big club like the, the only way it would be if PSG started competing in the Champions League like mm-hmm. everyone thinks that they should be able to be um, in my opinion I mean that league really isn't like that league's not competitive, and I think that that's one of the biggest reasons why PSG yeah. don't do well in the Champions League is because how can you go from playing a team like that in, in the in the French League to then going playing a Manchester City or a Barcelona mm. or a team like that who are playing in more competitive leagues and are really testing themselves every game as opposed yeah. to PSG. So, um, I mean, I don't, I don't think that that league is competitive enough for someone to be... To really be qualified yeah. for the Ballon d'Or, unless they are competing in the Champions League and really like winning, winning games. I mean, winning trophies. Have you got a kind of one or two players that you would keep your eye on if it's not Mbappe like in the next kind of probably five years? Well, years? yeah, as as, um, as I was say, saying earlier, you know, before we started recording, I think um, Holland has been a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I look at the same rise in. Um, talent as Mbappe with him too like yeah. being in being younger being in a top league and you know uh 
performing, you know, at, you know, it, again, every game, you know, week in, week out, they're scoring goals, you know, mm-hmm. at such a young age. Um, and I think arguably that that the Bundesliga now, especially, um, is a much more difficult league than Mbappe playing mm-hmm. for Monaco mm-hmm. in uh, the French league. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's a much that's a much harder team to get into. That's a much harder team to to keep a spot. Yeah. Uh, so I I mean I think that's a big one. Um, another big one I think Sadio Mane mm-hmm. has like has as well as he's been doing. Um, I don't know if he's really ever gonna push for push to be that like top tier. Like I yeah. don't know if you can can like put him on the same level as Messi or Ronaldo. But I think he's been doing really well, and I think he's been. And you know, a, a, like an important piece of that team, and uh-huh. that's why they've been doing so well. Um, I've got one for you, and you probably won't agree with this one. <laughs> Bruno Fernandez, three games in the Premier League, diced up every single defense that he's played against. <laughs> if Man United make it next season, so this season qualify for the Champions League, sign players, build a good team around him. Hopefully, maybe keep Paul Pogba if he works with Bruno Fernandez, Rashford, Martial around him. Probably got one of the best uh, right backs in the world with Bambasaka. Got the best keeper in the world, in my opinion. We've got a sturdy centre back pairing. Let's try and probably get one more in to sturdy that more a bit more. But with all the great the tools around him, Bruno Fernandez, do you th- I think could make his point for Ballon d'Or in the next two or three years. Um, I definitely am not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna cap here. <laughs> I'm not gonna cap here and completely say that. It's a no cap zone. It's a no cap zone. It's a no cap zone. I'm not gonna. Cap. That's why I'm not capping. <laughs> I'm not gonna cap and say that he hasn't been incredible for United recently. So far, um, yeah, yeah. I've like every game I've seen him play. Yeah, I mean he's been the he's been at the center of everything. Mm. Um, I think, I think I can see him starting to get an idea of what Ole is like looking to do like yeah. the kind of identity that they're looking for uh-huh. um and a player like that is big i mean um you know it, it, they can keep him healthy and they can keep getting in signings that'll kind of complement him yeah um i think you guys need ref- like refreshments in center midfield yeah, yeah, for real. i think definitely, definitely i think like i think fred has been good i think yeah. matic recently yeah he's came out of nowhere. he's been yeah. really good uh sturdy but again like i just think you need more yeah. I think you need more, but yeah, Something I mean, Wambasak has been great. Your defense has been like, pretty good for yeah. for what you're working with. Eric yeah. Eric Bailly's been really good back yeah. in. Um, he didn't get hurt again or anything. No, right? no I think he's played a bit part role right now. Yeah, we as much as I think he's better than Lindelof in probably most areas in in kind of defensive terms. I think uh, in terms of Eric Bailly, he's um, uh, how do I put it? He's 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 a, I don't know I feel like he's like a horse and he and he just breaks down every mile and you know probably I know what you mean you yeah. know what I mean and it's like you don't want to push him too much in case he breaks down but then um I think I don't know you just I don't know he's he's probably a better defender than Lindelof is my point but we just don't want to push him too much in case he gets injured again that was like having Kashalny on our team at the end of towards yeah, the end of towards his career end, you knew that he was you knew that you needed him in the team yeah. and that well not that you needed him but that he was a good player in the team and you wanted him Definitely. in the team but if you push him too much he just gets injured That's is there is. is there anyone else in the Premier League that falls under that category of Bruno Fernandes slash could make an impact well I always I rate um. I rate well. I rate City very highly, mm-hmm. so I, I like. Uh, I think Sterling is really good, um, but I think he's starting to run out on 
kind of time that he has to make yeah. that real jump into like he still needs to start scoring like yeah. you know 15 20 goals a season consistently not get locked know. up by one bissaka yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah fair I mean. enough um i mean who is i think he's the best one-on-one defender in the I, Premier I think so. I, th- I can't i can't think of anyone else any other defender it's hard to give it's hard to give any winger yeah. stick for getting locked up definitely by, definitely uh, but yeah. i want to say that uh i think leroy sane mm. has potential i think uh his injury was rough but i think he's gonna come back and whether he stays at city or yeah. signs for Bayern munich i mean he's yeah. really young and he's one of those players that has like such raw like pace and skill and stuff that it like if he's put into like a good team mm. um and like a team's built around him i'm sure he could be yeah really good yeah i think sane definitely i think i mean i think it's all on the cards that sane was going to go to Bayern either last summer or maybe even this summer if he gets mm. his fitness up so i think if he goes to Bayern, he's playing with Lewandowski. he's playing with uh tiago who's very in good very, uh, in, in good form right now he'd be a good signing going De- back to germany definitely too. Good signing. and it's i think it's a replacement that Bayern needed on the wing with robin and Ribery robin gone going. yeah so yeah. it's definitely coming i think sane could definitely prove a point back in the bundesliga so yeah uh but let's move on to our next topic of discussion um it's the one that's kind of haunted us all throughout this uh season especially var What's, yeah. what's your take on that one? I hate it. Um, yeah. I hate it. I loved watching soccer because it's different than watching American sports, which are broken up by, yeah. you know, replays and such, which lead to commercial breaks, mm. which lead to just, you know, downtime on the game. And it's like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm here to watch, you know, the sport. That's what I want to watch. Yeah. And that's just completely taking away from that. Um, it's just, and you know, the fact that they review every play and, you know, players are on sides and you know they're offside by the the tip of their toe and it's for me like that for me like i get it that is offside Mm -hmm. i understand that Mm -hmm. by the but but it's like literally if it's by like a point zero 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 whatever then that's a good run by that striker Mm -hmm. in my opinion that's Mm -hmm. how i see it like if if that striker is off by you know a a fraction of whatever yeah you know, barely offsides. I see that as a good run, and that's just frustrating to me that 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 they're gonna stop the game and call yeah. that back um, yeah. for a goal that could have been. I mean, I have the 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 Premier League app, and it's ridiculous. I literally see yeah. almost every almost you know half of the goals that I see on the app scored in a game yeah. are right afterwards. VAR called off, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of them, yeah, are infractions. And I hope that the game, you know, players start to adapt to the adapt and make less bad decisions like yeah. like commit less fouls like stop being offside so much that type of thing but i just think var is, is just like making the game slow and mm. like tedious and every every play you never know well you know the computer could just call it off in a second the uh the, do you see the aguero goal at the weekend but that wasn't that got called back um which at, one so he was he was marginally offside he yeah, was offside yeah. by like his elbow yeah yeah <clears throat> he he was called offside and um the the commentator made a made a point where he was basically saying that Aguero, you know, went did the right thing. He went through despite the flag going up for offside, which w- was why the play got halted and scored the goal. And De Gea didn't really do too much because he thought, oh, Aguero's yeah. offside, kind of stopped stop playing, yeah. stop playing yeah. anyway. And then that's because the 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 uh, official flag for offside. Now, when you're say if you're David De Gea in that position, you you see the flag for offside, do you stop playing? because uh, that's a natural reaction if it's flag for offside then it's offside in that in that moment in time but then after that it was brought back for var check so then you're thinking to yourself as david De Gea, i just let that goal in 
that was would have made that's it what I was thinking. So yeah. what's what's your view on that? Was David De Gea right to not to, like to react to not keep playing or because that 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 could have gone either way for me. That VAR check was minimal, like like an example you were giving that he was literally off by his like yeah. elbow. So. I mean, I think that I I do. I think that um he I'm always like you should play until literally all is stopped and the referee comes over and is like stop playing you know what i mean like that's how i that's how i've always seen it like you should like you should he should be ready like in his stance ready to go until aguero like put either puts his foot on the ball or whatever happens um and because because exactly that if that if that had gone if that check had gone and said no he's onside Uh then you know that goal should theoretically count i mean he he dribbled in he never stopped and he scored um so I'm I'm not really sure. Um I I was saying to someone the other day too. Um I think that it should be I think that the actual way like the way that the computer analyzes like the the field and the line and like mm. the the length and the depth or whatever yeah. of of how far someone is offsides uh-huh. or whatever ha- whatever how the, how the computer analyzes it. I think it should be more of like an NBA style video replay where yeah. it's like they replay it and the referees go over and they look at it because that's the guy that I want yeah. making the decision. If yeah. the, I want that guy looking at the line and saying me as a referee of, you mm-hmm. know, 20 plus years of experience refereeing yeah. at the top level, yeah. I say that that is offsides or yeah. onsides because a computer looks at everything, you know, literally by the numbers. Uh-huh. But I feel like if my eyes and I look at it and I see that that's onside, yeah. like I would want the referee saying, yes, that yeah. that's onside. I think that applies kind of I, I like your idea and it definitely applies more to kind of probably not offside because offside is kind of it's off or it's yeah on. yeah you're but right yeah in terms of um like another example from this, the man united game was uh when fred got tackled by otamendi and he got booked for simulation slash diving yeah yeah and yeah. that for me that should have been brought back for var as well because it's Absolutely. still it's still either it's either you could Give the yellow card for simulation, no doubt, no doubt. But then, please bring it back for VAR just to check: did he actually dive? Because he, you know, turned out after. At least the... get rid of the. At least, re- re- you know, retract the yellow card. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, even that, but like, it, it was in the penalty area. So please, like, if it, if there's any hint of a suspicion that it yeah. could have been a penalty, then it might. Well, as that's well... what I mean. The, the the center ref should go over and look yeah. at that and see. If, you know, Fred's what he nutmegged the first defender, and then he what he stepped over and went to the left. And Otamendi um, like took and him he down. Ta- and he took him down. Yeah, yeah and the, and I remember that they called that a dive, and I was like, oh yeah, and I always just assume yeah, it's a dive. You know, the yeah. ref's right there. And then I saw the replay, and first I saw him, you know, go through the first defender, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, he, you know, he's in a position that he's not going to dive, yeah. and then he's literally taken out in the yeah. box. And I said, you know, that's not a dive, that's yeah. a penalty. So. And if a referee goes over and gets all those camera angles of that, you know, any referee, I mean, mm-hmm. any referee, but especially a Premier League level referee, should look at that and say that's a penalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all right. So I've had all we've had all these uh, these problems kind of surfaced about VAR um, in in terms of how we go on after this season, because I'm guessing that's when people will be meeting to kind of try and draw a line about what is acceptable, what is not, when will we use VAR, when won't we? How do we, like, what needs to be implemented and what needs to, what rules need to be written and what um, kind of circumstances need to be put down for VAR to actually be a success and not kind of a constant topic after every weekend of soccer? I mean, I just, I look at it from the sense that a, like a com- like a computer does the job like by the numbers yeah. but 
like a like soccer is a sport where it's like things aren't you know things aren't just cut and dry black and white like by mm. numbers you know if if a player if you see you know players get called for such a wide variety of handballs yeah. nowadays like the 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 definition of a handball is like such a like a broad yet like mm-hmm. very specific rule and it's types of things like that where it's just like i i would so much rather a top level referee who's you know been doing the sport for such a long time who really loves the sport like yeah. he understands the sport and i want him making the the call rather than a computer uh, yeah. which just sees it as as just you know numbers the best um, the best example i've seen of var like actually kind of used well was um in the australian league and there was like a video of going over twitter and uh the, the viewers on the tv who could who uh, were watching the match could also listen to the referee and what he was saying and you could also listen to the referee's conversation between the referee and the people that were in the kind of box or studio mm-hmm. looking at var and stuff because i think there was a, there was an incident in that video where there was like a penalty call or an offside call and um i think the penalty call wasn't given by the referee on the field but he let the play go kept going kept going play materialized whatever but then as that was going on the var men in his ear kept saying we're just checking we're just checking but let it go let it go and then you bring it back do you think because yeah. i think that's the best example for me because at least you're checking every single possible incident that's happening but then at the same time you're not halting proceedings where Oh, that could I I haven't given it a penalty, but it could be a penalty. So hold on a minute. Just that's like, the that's the biggest one. Is I I hate yeah. just like the constant stoppage and every every play, mm. you know, being under instant review. It's yeah. like stop the game, stop the ball dead. We need to run off the field and review. It destroys um, the pure emotion. I think. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah, you you know the whole point of being there is you know you're watching the game and every you know a defender slips someone the ball's yeah. through whatever mm-hmm. you know things that happen. Yeah. Uh, in games like that, and yeah, for it just to be stopped and. You know, maybe it was this, and then they stop it, and yeah, then you sit like and you again. watch, and then yeah, it's, oh no, it's not. Oh, and then mm-hmm. they start again, and then they stop it for something else. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. my biggest problem with it, is just the stopping. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, yeah. So that's. I mean, I I think for VAR in terms of kind of rectifying it, there's. I mean, I was obviously going to be meetings and stuff to uh, to kind of solidify what what is and what's what isn't uh, kind of do for VAR review, which we'll find out. I'm I'm sure this summer, um, probably even in the Euros as well. But yeah, let's move on again to uh, probably a much more debating topic between us, us two. Um, the best team of the last decade. So from 2010 to the current year, 2020, what and why and what teams were probably have a stake for this kind of uh, accolade? Um, well, I mean... You know, the two that we previously talked about yeah. were um, uh, the 2011 Barcelona team and, you know, this past, well, this team, the 2018-2019 Liverpool team. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, the comparisons are, they, they can play completely different. They play completely different, but um, the way that they've been winning and, and, like, the way that they've been getting their results, I mm. think, is, is a lot different, too. Um I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? When you, when you look at that front three of Barcelona, so that was Messi, uh, David Villa, Pedro, versus Salah, Mane, and Firmino. What like what what do you see, and what would which three would you rather have in in your team? Um, I mean, I'm biased as a as a Barcelona fan, mm. uh, so I just enjoy that that type of 
play style more like the one touch passing and like the very unselfish you know squaring the ball mm-hmm. you know when when you have when you're through one-on-one on goal mm-hmm. um but at, at the same time that's probably one of the biggest parts that one of the biggest pieces of why this Liverpool team is so good is just how like how yeah. cutthroat they are in front of goal like if they're in front of goal you know it doesn't matter who it is like they're scoring yeah. um and that's the biggest one is that you know they'll get the results because they score that one goal and they you know get one goal ahead and then they score that second one yeah. and it's like they go you know three one up Daka. and it's like yeah. yeah exactly yeah uh so i don't know um i love this bar i just think you know lionel messi i think you know there's not much There's else no you words. Can say. Yeah. yeah no words um I've, all right, so I've, so that we've I learned those two, and I've got one more, and that is um, the 2017-2018 Manchester City team, which I think they finished. Uh, they obviously won the Premier League, and they also won the League Cup, but they won the Premier League with the most points with a hundred, uh, most most away points with fifty, and the most wins with thirty two. Um, so what what do we say that about that? Because the, the the team included Edison in his first season, Sane, David Silva. Uh, Aguero, De Bruyne, Fernandinho, you know, all these top top players. That was a, that was that was quite a team. Mm. They kept everyone um they kept everyone in the team too. That's what I liked. Like there wasn't too much crazy rotation. Like each position there was maybe one to two players that would play in that position every game. Mm-hmm. Um so I liked that a lot of, about that team and I just think that that team scored just such a crazy amount of goals, mm. you know, every game all season. Yeah. They put they put the teams to the sword, honestly. Yeah. Like I'm looking down these these results that they had. They won four one at home to Tottenham, five one away at home to Leicester, seven two Stoke City, six nil away to Watford, five nil against Liverpool actually in 2017. Five nil. Five nil. That, in I mean, 2017. That, you know, wow. I, I don't know if that shows. How in in two thousand seventeen, I don't know how how that shows that City won five nil against Liverpool twenty seventeen, but does that show the City going down or Liverpool just rising up? I'm telling you, um, I just think it's I, I think you look at that team and then you just look at how what injuries have done to that City mm-hmm. team and how they're just not able to keep the core of the players yeah. from that year that they like it was like Fernandinho, Kevin De Bruyne, you know Aguero, mm-hmm. um. Sterling, I mean, was Sane and Silva? Sane was there, yeah. Was Bernardo Silva? Uh, Bernardo Silva, I don't think he was. I might be wrong. Yeah, I mean, probably Gundogan was probably Gundogan was there, the the Porto, yeah. Exactly, that type of, like, those players that keep the ball. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's what they did every game. I just remember watching them play, like, they just didn't let other teams have the ball. Yeah. And so that's why they would get those huge results and then win and then not be scored on. Yeah. was because every time they got the ball, they would keep it, go up the field, Score or not score, but if the ball you know goes back down there and they just keep it again. Yeah. Okay. And then one more I've got a suggestion is the La Decima Real Madrid. Uh, that team. Oh yeah. Because that that team was I think Ancelotti's uh Ancelotti's team. It was a team where I think they had all the tools. They had Marcelo, they had Ronaldo, Gareth Bale in his first season. Uh, Madrid, Vamos, uh, James uh, was there because I think yeah. he, the same he played a, he played a lot in his first. Mm-hmm. season which i think was under Ancelotti, yeah. which was probably that i believe that season yeah but i mean and they and they also did go on to win two more after that as well yeah, yeah. but that season i think maybe that i think real madrid definitely deserve a mention there because yeah you know they they won uh they won they won the champions league which was historic because in terms of they've always been that great club but they've never they never up to that point had you know con- sealed that deal you know with like the the get the players with like Ronaldo Beckham uh, that that kind of era. 
So they definitely um, kind of deserve a, a, a talk, I think. Um, but yeah, let's move on to this next one. Do soccer put players warrant their salaries? Because we've all, you know, as, as the soccer fans ourselves, we've all kind of come under um, kind of... Our thoughts are coming under like scrutiny and stuff <coughs> in terms of do like... Players like Mbappe and players like Ronaldo, players like Messi getting three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a week. Do they actually warrant those salaries? Um, I don't think anybody warrants uh, making that type of money. Mm-hmm. In my personal opinion, um, especially for a sport. Um, but I understand, you know, how sports work and and how you know views views on TV work and and sponsorship deals and such. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, I mean, some of these players are, they've built an incredible uh, name for themselves and, you know, they get paid for their likeness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand it. I don't really like, I don't, I don't believe in it. I don't think any athletes, um, I think MLB is, is one of the craziest that's, ones for yeah. me. I think the MLB is, is absolutely ridiculous. I think them. honestly, that's like, it's hats off to the players that get big contracts at MLB. Mm-hmm. But it's a kind of a retirement home. Honestly, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, most of those guys, especially like a pitcher, someone yeah. who's going to play no more than, you know, what, like four or five years. Yeah, I was going to, I mean, saying that, I mean, I kind of call it retirement home, but like, I mean, that's just probably because I don't like baseball. But <laughs> um, in terms of, I think, pitching as well, there's also that kind of uh, fear of getting that Tommy John surgery, the elbow yeah. kind of surgery, and you kind of, uh, you're a horse until, you know, worked into the ground until you're yeah. kind of no good. So I think those big contracts, in terms of sport and in ter- well, in terms of personal level, no one, like you said, no one really deserves that money. But in terms of this is what their life has been from probably, you know, young age, five years old, growing up through college mm-hmm. to the pros. And you get that big money contract for whatever, $100 million. That sets you up for life. You know, yeah. that's what you need to live on for the next, you know, the rest yeah. part of your life when you've, you know, retired. And that goes on into soccer as well because soccer players – they have the, they have a longer career than MLB and NFL players for sure, but you know in terms of not talking about the Mbappes and Ronaldo's of this world, but in talking about I don't know dead players like Pepe or players like and you know, like mid tier players. I'm not even being like harsh on yeah. players like just players that actually just do a job every week. I don't know like Danny Ings or something, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Like he's getting probably fifty grand a week and that's what he needs to live on for the rest of his life. And he's not going to be an Mbappe Ronaldo where he's got a brand to live off after yeah. soccer. Yeah. There's only so much Danny Ings can sell off of being Danny Ings. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, he's not going to go and make yeah. multi-million dollar Nike no, deals exactly. out of the blue. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's not, that's not, we're not going against Danny Ings there. Cause I think he's a top striker, but it's just like, no, he is a good that's player. the facts. Isn't it? It's player. the facts. Yeah. yeah. It's the facts. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We, I think, I think for salary wise, obviously, I think I do re- re- resonate with people's opinion where they talk about how doctors and firefighters and people that that's save us. That's usually what I go to. You know what I mean? um, but again, like I said, like I do understand how you know the economy works. Yeah, no, <laughs> and no, exactly. Like, and like what, yeah. mate, what? And I, I mean, I, I want to touch on this subject real quick because obviously it's kind of been a big subject um, in the soccer world. Uh, you know about the women's US team, mm. which I. Listen, I would if if I was in charge of the US team, uh, the the management, whatever, and, and I you know was in charge of who gets played paid what for representing the US team, hundred percent, I'd give the men and the women the same. 
Or, yeah, you know, yeah. women, even if the women more because you know, well, it should be, it should be, yeah, it should be based on how their achievements, how achievements. You know and the I mean? women's team has achieved, you know, far more than yeah. the men's team has achieved by, yeah. you know, incredible. I mean, if you were to take that, uh, that women's team with like that winnings and put them into like yeah. the men's team, you'd be like, this is one of the best. Exactly. You know? Like this past women's team, you'd be like, this is one of the best like 100%. international teams to ever compete. And that's that's the facts. And what my point is going to be was if. The, the amount of money that they do generate mm-hmm. you know that's kind of the level of money they get paid unfortunately because that's it's, it's a reality that we live in like a capitalist world so that yeah, is the unfortunate yeah, that truth. is the unfortunate and that's like the type of yeah, the argument i always i always make about that like the like the the base argument is like someone like if zion had been getting paid in college mm-hmm. like someone like zion was gonna would have been paid millions and millions and millions of dollars yeah. more than even the next best player, like even RJ Barrett was incredible, yeah, but yeah. Zion would have been getting paid so much more than RJ Barrett because that's like what people are paying into to watch. People pay at the end of the day, people pay for brands. Yeah. We, yeah. even me and you, we pay for our Apple MacBooks. We pay for yeah. our iPhones. We pay for, for the clothing for that good, we wear. Yeah, for the shoes and all. Yeah. So everyone pays for brands and they pay to experience brands. They pay to see brands. They pay for all this kind of the, the, the i don't know the the clout i want to say or whatever but, but that's whatever. what makes players such a such a spectacle yeah. that's what that's what makes like someone like ronaldo or messi or you know on the women's team like megan rapino something yeah. like that like that's what makes them such such yeah. a spectacle because you can watch that and exactly. like that's what you're paying in to watch and see is that mm-hmm. someone do something that is like realistically out of out of the world out of your own like on the biggest stage yeah of, on the of biggest all. stage yeah you can be like wow you know what if i was that person running down the field, you know, mm-hmm. beating all these players, scoring these goals, winning yeah. these trophies. For for example, I think a good example of this, and this is going away from soccer, but I went to the Celtics versus Clippers game probably three weeks ago, actually, four weeks ago. And to see, I mean, I, I'm a big Clippers fan. Uh, I mean, I'm not on the bandwagon. I've just jumped, I kind of, 2014, I'd say, I've kind of went and kind of pledged my allegiance to the Clippers. So going to see the Clippers and seeing the size of Kawhi Leonard's hand, <laughs> in person was absolutely devastating i was like that that man is not real and he's not even the tallest guy yeah nowhere near he's like these guys that are you know like that 250 pounds two six seven hand uh, hand size and whatnot mad so that's i mean that's exactly what we're saying is you pay for the spectacle you pay for Mm. the people that are surreal surreal yeah that's a good word for it big big specimens like that um but yeah let's move on to kind of a bit more of a a country-based topic two topics here we go with will england win the world cup in our lifetime do they have the the tools for the job i mean you you would have a better answer on this than me yeah um, i always say that i always think that they should be doing better mm-hmm. um i always look at like the team that they have and i always think that they should be up there yeah. um and it's weird because it's weird because the Premier League is so like filled now of talent other outside of England. Yeah. So it's weird, like um, the majority of teams besides some of those teams, like uh, like you look at like Southampton, and I would mm-hmm. imagine there's a good amount of like English core, like a Burnley, like those would probably have good English cores. But like even then, like mo- most teams um, are like just filled with majority of players from from outside of England. So. Yeah. Um, it's just weird because they do still have the talent and, you know, there's always a player at every position on the England team who is like starting for a Premier League team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like you, you'd think that they'd be able to compile a starting 11 um, of all, you know, Premier League starters at really good top, 
teams yeah. um, and, and to compete. But I don't know, it just doesn't happen like that. Do you think there's been a shift in terms of, because I think everyone saw La Liga as the best, te- uh, the best league with the best kind of players in it for, a, I think, a good majority of probably 15 years. Yeah. Do you think there's been a shift now where the Premier League is like overtaking them in terms of quality and in terms of personnel? It's weird because I never saw, or as soon as I started watching, I never saw La Liga as better than the mm. Premier League. I always thought that the Premier League was at least a lot more physical. Yeah. So it would be harder to get done, like to, to play the way that the, the teams in La Liga play. Yeah. I think it's a lot different now, like when you look at like a Man City or something. Yeah. Um, but um, I think that I completely lost my train of thought. No, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. No, but I think, I think in, in terms of England, I think we, uh, at the last World Cup 2018, we showed that we have definitely the, 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 the players for it. Uh, we've got more coming through. We've got more coming through like uh, Tamori, uh, Abraham, Mason Mount. You always have like a young I think I think, yeah, prop. we've always had a, a, a young kind of, group of players but they've never been trusted mm-hmm. or, or just even given a chance i think gareth southgate now has done a very good job at saying look listen this our identity is our youth and playing our youth is probably the best option for us right now because if we if he goes back and plays uh not not saying he's a bad player but if they, we play players like james milner if we play players like i don't know danny welbeck players like that have not not mm. have, have the quality and they're kind of not of age right now and players like uh exciting like rashford mount mount i want to see james madison Sancho, Ma- madison Grealish. i rate james madison really highly Jack Grealish, Jack Grealish, you know what i mean those players there that are hungry to prove themselves i think you know they 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 definitely are warranting of the the, the chance that they're given i think definitely this season uh, sorry this summer we will probably see a, a spark of kind of maybe even championship kind of level achievement maybe because i i'm always fearful right now in terms of who who england would be stopped by is probably france um so i think i think that could you know i think that could be the stopping block for england's uh, terms of success for euro 2020 but we'll see um so i think we'll do one more topic after this uh, and then we'll go into the podcast picks after um so what are we going to say about Leicester, because we want to talk about Leicester being the greatest team achievement in sporting history, or is it just in soccer history? Um, I definitely see it as Leicester winning winning the league as the as the greatest, um, and definitely greatest in soccer, easily without a doubt. Mm. Um, another uh, another personal one for me would be the the City goal to win it in the to win the league yeah. in the last um, last minutes or whatever. But um, definitely Leicester won, definitely greatest in soccer, and I would say arguably the greatest in sporting history um as a patriots fan i gotta argue that the, the comeback was a big one too true but i did forget about that that I was huge that just because yeah. that's like never happened before and never been yeah. done before but i would say like this and i mean it's like statistically and by like the odds of it yeah like, five thousand to one odds yeah i think in the terms of the personnel that they had they had no one not even one player that was you know at the level that could win a championship like like that like you talked about Patriots. We talk about you know you got they got Brady mm-hmm. and Belichick. So they had of, they had the players. They had the players. They just didn't turn up in the first. Yeah, quarters, if anyone's gonna do it, it would have been Tom Brady. But yeah. you look at that team, and you wouldn't look at it at the beginning of the season. You wouldn't be like, if anyone's winning the league this year, it's yeah. Jamie Vardy. Exactly. Like no one, no one had anything in their mind, and and the fact that they, you know the 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 three, you know Conte, Jamie Vardy, and Riyad Mahrez, like mm-hmm. the way that they played and performed. 
still is is astounding to me like how how much of a higher level they played up up to that season yeah and i I think the the it's weird how they crept up on in the league as well because i mean they were always there no doubt about it they were always at the top i think they were always in the at least top six um but in when i was because i was in the country during that time when they won the league you you look at the league and it's like they they were being talked about, but no one was going to give them a shot because they thought, oh, Man City's going to claw them back, and Liverpool's going to claw them back, Man United's going to claw them back, whatever. But then they just kept going and kept going. And I remember specifically, like very vividly as well, that the result they had against away to Man City, um, when I think Mares scored tw- twice, they kind of that kind of sealed it in my mind. Probably didn't seal it in, me- in many other people's minds, but definitely sealed the the deal for the title in my mind. And the the I think the big factor of Leicester winning the title was uh, how uh, Ranieri, the manager, kind of installed that culture. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He installed that culture that, oh, just the next game keeps going. We, we don't really care about any other games except the next game and that, that was just the same process over and over again. He installed that culture that don't be fearless. Uh, don't be fearful, sorry. Be fearless. Play your best. Play, run your heart out. Because there was, a, you know, Kante, we forget about Kante. Mm-hmm. How big of a you know position was he in that team? Yeah, I mean, huge. Um, you know, chasing every ball down like you could tell that everyone was running off of his, his energy. Um, uh, one of the one of the interesting things I think of a lot with that team was that everyone said that. Well, I remember hearing you know the the pundits and the commentators talk about Ranieri, and at the beginning of the season, um, and they were like, well, he loves to, to tinker with his teams and yeah. he likes to mess with his teams and he's always trying someone here and someone there mm-hmm. and someone there. But that season with Leicester, they said it was interesting and i witnessed this too is that yeah. he, he stuck with a very yeah, yeah. you know he stuck with a starting 11 you know yeah. and, and you know obviously they were changing out with um the other the strikers up top they had a, they had a, a few different a, um, a, a, you know what he was like an argentinian he was like kind of a big guy yeah and then and vardy was there yeah and, and then they had another one too um who yeah. played a big played a big role yeah. I want to see as a Japanese striker. Oh, Okazaki. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, they had that little rotation. Like, he yeah. was obviously like a closer in a sense. Like, he would come in, mm-hmm. but he put in, he chipped in with he some did. big goals. He I did. mean, every player on that, you know, um, you know, what was it? What was it? All, all, the, who was the winger? Um, Mares and then Albrighton. Albrighton. Yeah. Albrighton. Someone like that where you're like, you know, this guy was, he just couldn't be the more in. average yeah. player like yeah. on the field. and But he put a shift in every game, yeah. of, you know, putting crosses in all games, just trying to trying to do his best. Very weird how, like, players from that team got big moves after that as well. I mean, obviously, Kante was uh, warranted. Mares was warranted. But then you have players like Danny Drinkwater. Danny Drinkwater has never worked out. It, you know what I mean? He played well, I think, for 35 million to Chelsea and then... Yeah. Last of the season and got you know that loaded out to Burnley, who then ch- chucked him out just this season as well. So definitely not been going right for him. But yeah, just weird, weird how that. I mean, I think in terms of Chelsea signing Danny Drinkwater, they made a huge mistake because I think in a midfield with Kante by his side, you can kind of look look good if you're just a bit. Absol- I mean, if you're you know Danny Drinkwater was you know he would you know play long passes, yeah. but he was more or less like a would just keep the ball on the ground, you know, keep mm. play the ball side to side. You know, yeah. Kante was the one putting in the work. He if anything, if anything, he gave Danny Drinkwater probably more freedom than he's ever played probably. with the team before. Probably. Uh, like, he was probably out there doing stuff he had never done in, in any side before with the amount of room that he had with Kante. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think for me, definitely Leicester winning the league is the greatest team achievement. I just think in terms of the personnel, in terms of how much, 
how much people believe didn't believe in them at the start and the just the the wave they created at the at the end by winning the league was just top draw and i don't think i mean i'll say i'll say that we probably will never witness something like that again but who knows because anything can happen in sport um either for good or for bad like you know with the houston astros and whatnot but yeah let's move on to uh podcast picks to wrap this show up so we've got three games this uh this weekend two have definitely taken my eye one of them being the liverpool derby everton versus liverpool um i'm gonna go for a 3-1 victory for liverpool i think everton at home they could do some considerable damage in terms of just getting the crowd behind them and whatnot but for me i think liverpool and the way everton played against chelsea if that's anything to go off, I think Liverpool got this one wrapped up for the three, a three-one victory. Uh, yeah, for that one, I'm saying uh, Liverpool two-zero. Um, I've been looking at Liverpool kind of slow down scoring-wise. Maybe that's like a, a weird. Thing. Maybe that's a hot take. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it seems like they haven't been scoring at, at like a crazy amount of goals. Still winning, still winning the games, obviously. But yeah. um, I, I don't think Everton will put up any bit of a chance at yeah. all whatsoever. They've been horrible this mm-hmm. year um yeah. and they made some really good signings and they always really disappoint me because yeah. i want to like i want to support everton yeah. <laughs> like i look at the players they have and i yeah. want to be like how are you not like at least like a europa league i know right i mean they were as well they like were as well. And, yeah not even like great players like that they had lukaku and then probably um, sigerson sigerson was that but then even, Dale walcott was probably on i don't know yeah but there. even even after that yeah, exactly. The, mo- the amount of money they pumped in, but that goes to say that goes to show how much money you need to pump in yeah, to be successful. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Even Man United now, you know, as much as I wish them success, are struggling to keep that fifth spot or even get to top four because mm-hmm. even by spending you know extraordinary, extraordinary amounts of money. So yeah, we'll see. With I, I, I have a soft spot for Everton as well. You know, as we know, we have a soft spot for a lot of people, uh, teams. So we'll see but um let's move on to tottenham versus man united uh jose Mourinho against his old team with uh ollie at the wheel f- yet again what have we got for this one i'm giving this one a one one okay um united's been on a been on a tear but i think Mourinho, uh he's gonna set up he's gonna set up to draw i'd yeah. imagine like he's gonna he's not gonna want to lose to united yeah. Um, but that Tottenham team is also terrible, so I could see it go either way. Yeah. But you know, I just hate United too because they're really bad. Okay. And Bruno Fernandez sucks. Okay, that's just too much. <laughs> um. So yeah, Tottenham versus Man United. I think Tottenham are falling apart, and it's funny to see because I love Mourinho as a manager. I really do. I love him as a personality, but unfortunately for him, the cards he's been dealt are kind of all coming up to be negative right now. He's I think Son is out, Lucas is out, I believe. Might be wrong about that, but Ber- sorry, no, Bergwijn. That's what I meant. Bergwijn's out yeah, with a, yeah. for the rest of the season, and then Harry Kane's out until like late season. So I think the wheels are falling off, and the 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 overall you know kind of feeling around Tottenham as a club, especially after that Eric Dyer um incident on on, on Twitter the other day. Um, what was that? Him, him going up to the the crowd. Oh, after the Norwich oh, game. Oh, 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 so, yeah, that was crazy. So, so I think I don't know, just a whole negative feel. I think that can do a lot of detrimental effect to like a, a team like that. Um, I've gone for a two 0 away victory for Man United just because I think, like, like you said, United are on a roll. I think all the cards are playing into Ollie's favor by in terms of Tottenham not being in the best run of form and the, a lot of key uh, key players aren't being injured. So, I think. 
keep the players fit. Hopefully, Ole does this, uh, does that, and then we'll probably get a good good two 0 result away to Tottenham. So last game, Everton. Uh, sorry, not uh, Everton. Aston Villa versus Chelsea. What have we got for this one? I give this one two 0 Chelsea. Um, Chelsea's been weird this season, kind of all over the place, mm-hmm. but I think that they still have the overwhelming quality over Aston Villa. Um, and I don't know what I forget who the result was the other day, but they had a really good result against Chelsea. Someone, yeah, Everton. Like was it Everton? Yeah, that was yeah, 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 yeah. That that was a really good result, and you know, obviously, again, you know, we kind of just trashed on Everton, yeah. but uh, they're not the greatest team. But you know, that's you know, beating any Premier League team four nil, especially like no, not conceding a goal, mm-hmm. um, is a good result. So I think yeah. I'd, I'd assume they're, they're I mean, on Chelsea fire. also beat Liverpool as well in the FA Cup. So yeah, also so, and so. um the new. Was it Billy Gilmore? Billy Gilmore's been playing yeah, very well. Yeah, he's looked really good. He's yeah. only 18 years old, I think, and he's been playing very well. The Chelsea Academy system's Be- better than Danny Drinkwater, that's for sure. Better than Danny Drinkwater, <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, for sure. Um, but yeah, no. so you say 2-0. I'm going to go with 1-1. Um, I don't know. Something about Aston Villa. I always, I, I, I don't know. I like them as a, a historic team. Um, John Terry versus Frank Lampard for this one also. I forgot who's... Forgot who's still yeah. playing. Uh, well, he's not coaching. He's coaching, but he's forgot yeah. who's still coaching. Yeah, he's, um, he's still around. Uh, but yeah, I think I've gone for one-one. I think Aston Villa at home, always with the kind of the notorious atmosphere that they have at Villa Park, they have kind of uh, always a potential to do something like they did at nearly against Liverpool when Liverpool grabbed, grabbed that last-minute winner. Um, but yeah, I've gone for one-one. I just think Chelsea look a bit shaky. Um, not as of late, but do have the potential. In terms of you know they got banged by Bayern three uh, nil, they drew to Bournemouth two two. So I think they have the potential, even though the 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 form they're in of the last two games is pretty good. So I will go for one one. Uh, but yeah, that wraps it up for episode nine of Transatlantic Soccer Podcast. We'll be back uh, after spring break, hopefully if the coronavirus doesn't defeat us for episode ten. Uh, I've been at Jacob Robson. I've been joined by Alejandro Windsor. Uh, thanks for listening.